First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies. Making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. McBerto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being here. Well, folks, Paul Fleming, your book is fire. Thank you so kindly for those kudos, Paul. Thank you so kindly for those kudos, folks. See, one of our great supporters bought the book. He received it. He thinks it's on fire. Thank you, brother. Really, that touches the heart. Jacoby G, welcome aboard. Here we go, amigos and amigas. Estás hablando español, mi amigo, mi amigo, mi amigo, mi amigo, mi amigo, mi amigo, mi amigo. Anyhow, how are you guys doing today? Rafael Coyle, mend it while eliminating racism and white supremacy. Yes, sir. Bridge MCP, hey, that's what she says, hey, you go girl, how you doing my dear beautiful Bridge? Uh, Paul Fleming, welcome aboard, folks, we are going to have a great show today, but I want to start with a thought that just hit me today, and I wrote it up real quick and threw it on my, my page, not my page, but my wall on Facebook, and I want to read it to you, and then I want to hear some of your thoughts, and then we'll get into the program but I want, to, I, want you to, I want your thoughts on this. Here's what I said. It went like this. The last eight electoral college wins were Clinton, a Democrat, Clinton, a Democrat, Bush, a Republican, Bush, a Republican, Obama, a Democrat, Obama, a Democrat, Trump, a Republican, Biden, a Democrat. Democrats won the popular vote Seven out of those eight times by millions of votes. Twice the Republican became president while losing the popular vote by substantial margins. During the Bush first popular vote loss, Republican operatives exhibited mob-like behavior. Now, uh, somebody answered and said, Eric Echeverria said, mob-like behavior? From the past 11 months, the insane left burned down cities, looted like, like an invading army, beat the elderly half to death, terrorized innocent families in their homes, churches and restaurants. They pulled innocent victims out of cars and then blooded, get real, man. Get real, man. All those things that Echeverria just said there happened. But guess who perpetrated those acts? Mobs. The 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 the, uh, the young the, the clown boys or whatever they're called, many of them trying to make believe they were on the left. These are, are all proven. You can find it out. You can see all the people who have been arrested 
in our little riots that have occurred this year. However, we have the videos of people banging down those election officials in 2000, attempting to break into where the votes were counted until the Supreme Court stopped the count. And here again, we had the the attempted kidnapping of the governor of Michigan. We had people attacking the House in Michigan. We had people all over the country talking about using their second their second uh, rights, their what is Second Amendment rights. So no, I continue. During the Bush first popular vote loss, Republican operatives exhibited mob-like behavior. And I want to be clear here. I am calling out Republican operatives and violent Republicans. I have a lot of Republican friends. I have Republican relatives. All of them are very sad that they lost. But they're also, they're also not intent on creating violence or doing anything wrong. But the people who lead them are horrendous. They're anti-democratic. They're autocrats. During Trump's second popular vote loss, remember Trump has never, ever won the popular vote. We've had a president and now a wannabe president again that has never, ever won the popular vote. During Trump's second popular vote loss, mob-like behavior escalated to violent threats via threats of kidnapping and murder. Even Republican elected officials were part of the cabal. 126 plus Congress people decided that they were going to support, they wanted to support the violence that Donald Trump represents. Imagine that. Elected officials were willing to have autocratic rule, treasonous rule, anti-democratic against the will of the people. Elected officials were willing to do that. We will never be the same again. We should never be the same again. We should never allow those who attempted to throw the votes of Americans out to not remember what they did and never again allowed to serve in Congress again. We must keep the names of every single congressperson who went ahead and said, I support that, and make sure they are never, ever elected again. Remember those names. Remember those names. 2022, remember those names. The ones who have the right to be upset are the Democrats who, because of an undemocratic constitutional aberration, the Electoral College, has made the vote of some more valuable than others. In other words, you live in a rural place, land-owning. I mean, it sounds like slavery days, don't it? Don't it? It sounds that way, don't it? Big landowners, low amount of people. Somehow, their vote is worth more. California, 40 million people have two senators. Dakota, I don't remember which one, less than a million people has two senators. We are such an anti-democratic country. They have more representation than we do, than those who says we want, we want what we've given. 
yet we have those, a small amount with that much coverage. So that constitutional aberration has got to change. If this is not fixed, the country as the Democratic Republic will not last much longer. America is less democratic than most democracies around the world. An exceptional America? America? An exceptional America? Saying so does not make it so. Saying so does not make it so. And we must remember that. Okay, so what is our program going to be about today? What is our program about today? Today, the title of the show is J. Christopher Collins Discusses Mending Our Union, Trump's Electoral Fraud. J. Christopher Collins visit to discuss how we do, how do we mend uh, our deteriorating union and Trump's 2020 electoral fraud, fraud has failed as it should have. And as, as they're counting the electoral votes right now, all the problem states have already uh, uh, certified their electoral votes, their electoral count, and today they have made it official. So therefore, uh, Donald Trump has no recourse any longer, not that he ever did, but he has no recourse to try to steal this election. None whatsoever. Donald Trump is a loser. He has always been a loser. Everything that he has touched has failed. Every company that he has had has gone bankrupt. And he was in the process of bankrupting this country. Now, tomorrow we'll talk about him bankrupting the countries. I'll play some pieces by Farid Zakaria and a few others that show that Donald Trump has always been nothing but a fraud. Nothing but a fraud. If we take a look at all the different, all the different m- metrics to determine what an economy under Donald Trump has done, it is clear that he ran America like he ran his companies into the ground. Make no mistake about it. And the people that he has hurt the most are the people who love him the most because they believe in the caricature that he has made of others and they believe in the theories that he has put out as far as this economy when it has been nothing but a categorical failure. So let's remember that. And this is not an an attack on our Republican brothers and sisters. This is an attack on our Republican leadership who knows better, who knows the truth. Don't let that ever get out. Don't ever allow them to continue the fraud that somehow this guy's administration has been anything but an utter disaster for the United States of America and what we represent in the rest of the world. But to start, let me go ahead and I, I want to play a piece here by um, uh, uh, the, the woman in, in, in um, Florida, Rebecca, who, using Gustapo tactics, they broke into her home, the police broke into her home after a perceived false, uh, what should I call it, a computer 
attack. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Rebecca, one of the things that struck me about that NPR interview was how both of the individuals that were whistleblowers as well were women. And one side of the fact that women and individuals of color who are scientists fighting this pandemic, trying to bring research forward, were having a really tough time. And she said that it was had a lot to do with how science is oftentimes related to and spoken by men. Can you talk about that? <laughs> Yeah, I've um, unfortunately personally experienced uh, a lot of misogyny in the last seven months since leaving the state. And the debate over what a scientist is came out and then whether or not, you know, you could be a scientist and look the way that I do or talk the way that I do. And that seems to be directed almost entirely at women. Right now, we're in this entire debate over a very sexist piece in Wall Street Journal that said that people without medical um, doctor degrees shouldn't refer to themselves as doctor. And that was directed specifically at Dr. Jill Biden, our um, soon-to-be first lady. So it's something absolutely that I've dealt with. DeSantis at a forum, Governor DeSantis, at a forum for trying to get rid of the stigma of mental health this week actually used the term she's got issues referring to me. So there is a absolutely coordinated effort to just dismiss women in any instance that they speak out to make them seem irrational or overly emotional or reactionary. And it's really an unfortunate thing. And I'd also like to point out that I fully believe that if I didn't look the way that I do, and I wasn't white, that the situation with the police in my house could have easily gone very, very differently. That is a point of privilege that I have. Yeah, uh, you know, what is, what is pathetic is that the journal actually posted that article. How do you post an article that somehow, you know, as I heard on another program today, does any, did, have you ever heard anybody complain about Dr. Kissinger? Or doctor any male? Why then uh, will Jill Biden have to somehow not accept that she is a doctor? She is a PhD. Dr. Jill Biden is what it is. And how do they dare break into her home under the pretenses that they use? Makes absolutely no sense. But, you know, earlier we were talking about the behavior of, uh, of the, the elected official that are there supporting Donald Trump. And I, wanted, I want you to listen to what Chris Hayes has to say. Because Chris Hayes says something. How can we ever return before? I mean, to where we were before. We cannot. I think we have proven that the Republican Party is definitely an autocratic party. They have no desire for democracy. And for that reason, the leadership of the Republican Party, if not changed now, must never again hold elected office where they are in control. Check this out. There's a real question about, I don't know how you, I guess we're all just going to pretend this didn't happen. Like they tried to overturn an American election. They tried to install someone who lost into power. They conspired, essentially, to overturn the rightfully democratically elected government of the United States. I'm not sure how you come back from that and, like, have a conversation tomorrow about the Defense Authorization Act. 
Well, I think you're right. Uh, look, it's uh, it's like they're stabbing the body politic, but saying we're not aiming for vital organs. Uh, they're doing injury to the country uh, as it is. Right now, they are creating a permanent set of aggrieved Americans who feel their election was stolen from them. That is lasting damage, whether they win or lose this lawsuit, uh, whether they expected to lose it or not. These continuing uh, false claims about the election, uh, this, this continuing uh, uh, fallacy that somehow millions voted improperly, this nonsense, the more that they echo this, the more it, it sinks in with a large segment of our neighbors and friends. Uh, it's already difficult enough uh, for us to talk with each other these days without poisoning the well further. So, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how you look at, at, at some of these uh, members the same way when you have seen them for what they are, and that is having no dedication to principle, nothing but ambition. How can you ever look at them the same again? You don't. You cannot. You should not. You must not. They've shown what they really believe in. By the way, here's what Chuck Todd said. Let's hope they listen to Chuck Todd now. Check this out. I'll be honest. I had to do a double take on this one. But you know what, Chuck Todd? Kudos, brother. I mean, there are a few things that I'd like to say otherwise. But kudos on at least the, the, the way you, you handle this, uh, this particular senator, another enabler. Any doubt who won the presidential election? Shouldn't be after Monday. I mean, the states have uh, counted, certified their votes. The courts have resolved the disputes. It looks very much like the electors will vote for Joe Biden. And when they do, I hope that he puts the country first. I mean, the president, uh, that he takes pride in his considerable accomplishments, that he congratulates the president-elect and he helps him get off to a good start, especially in the middle of this pandemic. We need to not lose one day in the transition and getting the vaccine out to everybody who needs it. You know, it's been 37 days since the election. 33 days since it was called, six days since we know that enough uh, pledged electors uh, have been certified for the election. And yet on Wednesday, President of the United States tweeted hashtag overturn. Is it about time for this to stop? Well, Monday, it should stop. I mean, remember, it's not unprecedented to contest an election. Al Gore took 37 days, I believe, to contest uh, before he finally conceded. And then he made the best speech of his life respecting the result, which is what I hope the president will do. I don't understand the context, though, of, of trying to compare to this to Al Gore. That was an incredibly close election. The only reason there's a perception that this was closer than some others is the order with which, with which we counted the vote. So is the comparison to 2000 really fair or is it creating a false straw man? Well, it's, it, it's not, you're exactly right. It's not the same circumstance, but uh, I think it's fair to allow candidates to contest elections if they want to if they have evidence. But when it's over, it needs to be over. All right. I don't remember these same comments four years ago um, on Hillary Clinton should get more time and all of this stuff. I mean, no, do you but, see but why you it have, looks you, like a double It looks like a double standard. Think, well, what about Stacey Abrams' concession speech? Have you found it yet? I, I understand. Look, I understand that. That was, but I guess that was, two, years, that was two years ago, what Chuck. Does, she was... Where, she was defeated. We're, we're, she was defeated by is, more votes. In, she was defeated by Senator, more votes I, I, than governor. And 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 why don't you I'm not say here something to defend about Stacey that? Abrams' decision? Talking about Trump. I, hmm? I, I I look. I'm not here to talk about Stacey Abrams. I'm not covering that race. Well, and that's her decision. <laughs> and I think why that that's look, that and that is something that she deserves <laughs> to be asked. But the question I have is: this is this is how the Republican Party seems to define itself in the Trump era, which is anything the president does that is unseemly breaks a norm. Instead of 
criticizing. You just now, you just say, well, what about? It's what aboutism. What about this? That doesn't dismiss the president's behavior, does it? But I would think if you're going to talk about Donald Trump all the time, you might mention Stacey Abrams once. I mean, after all, Georgia is where there's It is something I've are. mentioned a handful has, of times. It, it, has, and, and that's, it, it has been. I'm not here to debate you mentioned that. Her. Well, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Well, I have consistently said that if the president loses, and it appears that he will, when the electors vote, he should put the country first, take pride in his accomplishments, congratulate Joe Biden, and help him off to a good start, especially because of the vaccine. I think that's a very proper way to think about that. That was Chuck Todd. The one thing that I think he missed is when they tried to do the false equivalence between Stacey Abrams and Donald Trump. We should have said Donald Trump was talking about voter fraud. Stacey Abrams was talking about voter suppression that we visibly saw, that we could see on TV, that we could see wide open, that we could see everywhere. Voter fraud and voter suppression, two distinct things. Voter suppression is what lost her the election and she wanted and needed to make that clear. Chuck Todd, you did a great job in pushing back. But next time, also come and defend the reality, the truth about Stacey Abrams. Absolutely. So you've got to defend. You you can't leave anything up into the ethos. Because as you can see, uh, the right-wing media machine have a way of turning these things against you. You have to be, you notice how they were ready, how uh, Lamar Alexander was ready to create that false equivalence? That is what we have to solve. That is the things that, those are the things that we have to work against. Now, Governor Christie gets it. Governor Christie was a sycophant. Governor Christie was an enabler because I guess he expected Donald Trump to win and get something out of him. Well, you know, losers, some people jump off the losing train early. Some it takes a while because they think you have unheard on some sort of a innate innate power. Well, Donald Trump's power is going to fall. You know, everybody talk about Trumpism. There's nothing real. I, I talk about Trumpism too, but let's be clear. Trumpism is just what Republicanism had become as the right wing, the moral majority, and all these guys took over the Republican Party. All Donald Trump did was put a a, a honest face onto it. So in a lot of ways, Donald Trump is an honest guy who allowed us to see what the Republican leadership really looks like, what those in Republican control looks like. Those who don't know that are fooled by the Republican Party, and those are the people that we must have empathy towards. But the leadership, we must take them down. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district, and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. But check this out. Well, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, seemed like his days of sycophancy, his days of being a Trump enabler, is are, are probably completely over now. Listen to this and then let's take it on the other side. 
Texas case. What's your message to the Republicans? Well, listen, the, the legal theory put forward by his legal team and by the president um, is an absurdity. And the reason why the Supreme Court didn't take it is because it's an absurd idea to think that any state or any number of states, no matter how good they are, um, can challenge another state's uh, right to run the election as they see fit. Uh, and also, there's no evidence. As, we've, as I've been saying since election night, um, show us the evidence. And, and what's gotten even worse, though, Martha, I think, is, is the attacks by the president on good hard-working, decent Republican governors. And, and you've seen his attitude towards these folks change. Um, and, and let's think about why. You know, back in, in September, he said about Doug Ducey, Doug is tough, Doug is strong, Doug is a good governor, the Arizona governor. Uh, he said about Brian Kemp back in the summer, uh, you know, that Brian is a capable man, he knows what he's doing, um, and he's done a very good job as governor. Now... After the election is over and he lost Arizona and Georgia, he says there are rhinos that are working harder against him. Um, he's calling them corrupt uh, and also telling people things that aren't true. You know, so, so Chris, what uh, happens instance, in Georgia, to your party? He's talking about signature verification. Oh, uh, listen, you know, Martha's going to be have people are going to have to stand up and start to say these things. I mean, you know, the fact is in Georgia, and people should know this, that signature verification, which the president continues to tweet about, has been done twice in this election. And so the reason the Supreme Court is not taking this is not because of a lack of courage. It's for the same reason that every court has thrown this out. It's a lack of evidence and a lack of any type of legal theory that makes any sense. And the worst part, though, is attacking these, these guys, guys like Brian Kemp, Doug Ducey, and others, who are following the Constitution and executing the oath that they took. A lack of evidence and a lack of any legal theory that makes any sense. He's a lawyer. He should know, right? Well, the other thing about it is, why did it take so damn long for people who would otherwise have been respected had, had people heard it out of their mouths, why did it take so long to say that? Then, of course, uh, we shouldn't be surprised. After all, it's, our, don't we have north of 126 Republicans who, are, who actually supported uh, Donald Trump's try at the Supreme Court to overturn the election in four swing states? That is anti-democratic. These guys, whether they change now or, or, or had never changed, these guys are really, uh, they are really a danger to the democracy in our country. So good for you, Christy, for coming out. Good for you for no longer being a sycophant. Good for you for not, no longer being an enabler. But the damage has already been done. Yes, the damage has already been done. So anyhow, before we go to our interview, real quickly, we're at the halfway mark. Uh, this is the time where I tell you, you see that book that you see on the screen? Uh, please go ahead and get that book. By getting that book, you're helping us out. By getting that book, you are helping us out to keep this program online. Anyhow, the, I just put the link inside of the link, the Amazon link. And by the way, folks, uh, Paul just said he got the book and he's loving the book. Why don't you get it too? Yes, I am pushing the book. I got to push the book because two things. I want you to learn a lot of the stuff in the book. I want you to critique some of the stuff in the book. And that helps us keep this program on. If you don't want to buy the book at Amazon, you can buy the book directly from us, from our store, which takes out the middleman. I shipped about five of them today. Go ahead and get it at 
politicsdoneright.com slash store. Again, that is politicsdoneright.com slash store. You can get our, our, uh, our books, all that good stuff. And you know what? You can also get our new t-shirts and, and hoodies there. We actually released a new one. I, I, I wasn't prepared to do this, but let me go ahead and do it anyway. If you take a look at that, uh, we have some new hoodies out. Check this out. Let me see if it will come up on the screen. It will come up on the screen. Check that one out. That one says, uh, para ver, para ver. It is called... I am a progressive with our logo on it. Check that one out. It's a good one. We also have the new one that, that comes out there. I'm a progressive. And the other one that comes out, I'm a progressive. And you can get those in all kinds of colors. So, uh, oops, I'm, not, I'm putting it on the screen and not even having it on the screen. Anyway, there you go. Uh, th- those are the new ones. You can either get it at the store, my store, or you can get it at the um, or you can get it at the um, uh, right here at Teesprings. So there is there is one version, there's another version, and there's another version. Anyhow, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. So if you go to my wall, my personal wall, you can you can get the links to them. And there's another version. I think this one is made. This one is at my store that that you can get them. Oh, you love them, Bridge. Great. I'm glad that you love them. I'm glad that you love them. Anyhow, the other thing, folks, is um, if you're on YouTube, click join. And if you join our YouTube, we'll see that you've just joined and we'll salute you. It's worth it. You help support the movement. And if you go to, uh, if you can either click join to join us or the, the, that dollar sign there to give us a super chat, whichever one, we love to have it. It helps us. Uh, the other point is Patreon. You can support us via Patreon. That is called, uh, you can get to our Patreon by going to politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon, politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsdoneright.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also uh, support us via PayPal. Our PayPal is politicsunright.com slash PayPal. Politicsunright.com slash PayPal. You can still become a part of what uh, what um, uh, Bridge MCP calls the PDR Posse, the Politics Done Right Posse uh, on YouTube by just going to politicsunright.com slash YouTube. So if you're not on YouTube, you can still get onto our YouTube posse by going to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. And get, hey, Egberto, there is one more act to come from the Republican Party on January 6th. Uh, when the vote, yeah, but that act requires both houses of Congress. I mean, both um, requires both the Congress and the um, Senate to agree. And since they won't agree... It's, it's a wash. So January 6th, don't believe what they said. That it's, this stuff is over. Terminado. Finito. We won. Period. They won't be able to take it away, which they would love to be able to take it away. Brother, it is over. It is cooked. They've lost. Donald Trump is what again? A loser. And, he, and, and you know why we kind of teasing him about uh, being a loser? Because that is what he likes to do to people. Otherwise, I just say, oh, he didn't win the election, etc., etc., etc. No. Donald Trump is a loser. By the end of our program today, when we are done, California should be voting. And when California is done voting, everything would be terminado. 306 votes, and it's over. Donald Trump remains the loser that he is for the second time. Unfortunately, the first time... We allowed him to sufficiently damage the country, which we have got to mitigate now. Okay, let's get busy with the interview. 
Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis. As you know, we've been covering how we can actually get folks communicating in all corners. Well, today we have Chris Collins, who's the author of the new book, Mending Our Union, Healing Our Communities Through Courageous Conversation. He has spent the last several years facilitating meetings that bring together people from a vast selection of politics, races, genders, and class as a part of his conversation group at the Glide Memorial Church in San Francisco, different together, and has developed a toolkit for doing so. He offers four tips, and we're going to talk about all of that. Welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing today, Chris? Great. Thanks for having me. Before we even get started, I understand that uh, you did a stint in Austin, Texas, my old stumping ground. That's right. I lived there for seven years. I went to St. Edwards University, and uh, after graduating there, I worked in the Texas legislature for a couple of years before um, moving to New York City, actually. Before we go, you remember Conan's Pizza? Yes. I love those deep dish Chicago style Conan's Pizza. That, that was my mainstay in Austin. And, and by the way, uh, while I went to school out there at the University of Texas, I was a delivery driver for Tuck's Pizza on uh, near St. Edwards, and I had a lot of time, a lot of deliveries to St. Edwards University. It's interesting. There's lots of there's lots of food in Austin that I miss. There's a lot of food, and now they have the truck alley and all that good stuff there, where you can go ahead and buy. Well, I don't know since COVID how things are, but anyhow, let's talk about your book. Uh, well, before we talk about your book, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am uh, a native Texan. I grew up in McKinney, Texas. Uh, my family's been in Texas for uh, multiple generations. Um, I uh, got a, a, a calling in my early life in high school to, to uh, become involved in, in public service in one way or another. I didn't really know what that looked like. And uh, as you mentioned, I went to uh, uh, St. Edwards University and got involved with uh, working in uh, the Texas legislature. And um, I um, then went to uh, New York University to get my master's in, in public administration and public policy. And um, I, I've over the years that it doesn't really matter what policies we, we advocate for, what politicians or presidents we, we vote for, uh, the, the division in our country stops most of that from happening. Any, any policies that we want, any, any, um, any reforms that we want, division grinds most of that to a halt. So uh, there's something bigger that we need to be working on. I agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, um, that, that was the genesis of my last book, which was about talking to the other side, uh, how to talk. In my case, as a progressive, how, do, how can progressives talk to your right-wing relatives and friends or whatever? I mean, here I am, a, a left-wing progressive with relatives who've actually voted, well, not relatives, a couple of relatives who've actually supported Donald Trump. And it's like, I can't believe we're in such, we're, we grew up together and we're in such different spaces. That division is real, and I think it is. Um, I think it is the division is real. The causation of the division, I think, it's a fallacy. Your thoughts on that? What do you mean when you say the the thought the 
let me give it let me give an example of and and this i put in 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 uh, and, and I, I haven't read your entire book so i don't know if you have something similar to this but if you ask the average american citizen what are their wants what are their needs it turns out that the similarity between wants and needs absent certain social and religious issues are virtually identical have you seen that in the research and, and the work that you've done? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think that that's beyond question that we all want the, the, the same thing. The, the division comes in how we get there. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a debate of tactics and um, a desire to be for that. We want our solutions to be the ones that fix it. We don't want someone else's solutions to fix it. There's a... Uh, there's a desire to to want to be the victor in getting what getting what we all want, rather than maybe a combination of solutions or um, acknowledging the the truth that maybe a a different perspective might have uh, some uh, idea that might help help us get there. It's a it's a it's a it's a system of winners and losers, and it's not going to uh, it's not going to help us, it's, and it's not helping us. Uh, I, I'm also a, a progressive, um, but I have to acknowledge that sometimes uh, conservative thought has uh, valid uh, ideas that need to be taken into consideration. That is interesting because uh, you could find those words in, 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 in the things that we talk about here as well. And it's great to see that you have a book out there that's also centralizing on that type of messaging, which I think it is very, very important. Now, um, in, in, in that light, let's put a little bit of meat on those bones um, because uh, give me, if you will, some examples that you find we want the same thing, but the approach that we want to take to get there are different. Uh, are these are both, from your point of view, on whatever issue you choose, will those either side get you to the same place for real, or is it that one side uh, one side is misinformed as far as being able to get there from that direction? Because my thing here, and I and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. My thing is that I think we are purposely misled because in our, in our ignorance and fighting among each other, it's a profit for a certain sect. Your thoughts? Well, I think that there's, there's the system that's out there that, um, that promotes a certain message that is, uh, there, there is misinformation out there. And there are uh, fake facts that are out there. And um, I think that where we make progress on this is tuning that out to, um, to stop relying on what the politics are trying to uh, mm -hmm. tell us and instead talk about it at the community level and find out what solutions we come up with whenever we tune out the, the, the toxic political discourse. Now tell some of our, tell our audience in specifics, uh, give me an example of where we can actually accomplish that. So 
what we do and different together, uh, for example, let's talk about uh, the impeachment that mm -hmm. happened, um, which seems like a long time ago is actually earlier <laughs> this year. Months, yeah. Right. Uh, we hosted a, a conversation between progressives and conservatives on the impeachment. And um, we split the topic up into digestible categories. So for example, what are the facts of this situation that we all agree on? And different perspectives throw out different ideas. Where there was a, a uh, maybe a, a progressive person would uh, make a statement that a conservative does not agree with, we would then put that into a different category and write it on our, write it on our whiteboard. Okay, this is what we don't agree on. This is what we would need to further investigate in order to uh, figure out where we are on this. Then um, we ha can have a category for uh, what are the values? What do we want? What do we, what do we expect of our uh, elected officials? put that in a category. What do we what do we agree on that we should expect from people? So whenever we parse a difficult topic out, it 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 begins to breathe life into the conversation about it. It did not turn into a debate over um, Trump is a criminal, no he's not a criminal, and just that that leads us nowhere. That's that's the same thing we can turn on uh, any cable news station and, and fulfill that. We're trying to have a different conversation to try to find where our conversations are breaking down and get past that, go past beyond where the conversations break down. Now, that is that is admirable, right? We, we have some, um, there's a professor that I work with here at Lone Star College, and he works with the Kettering Foundation on having these, uh, there's deliberate, deliberate debate, uh, deliberative debates, I think it's called, where we, we, we do something similar to what you've just said. And it works. The, the problem that we find is that the people that are able to go to these things are, are you know, people that are put together. They don't have to take care of their kids, all of that. And we can bring those people in together. What kind of, and I don't know if you explained that in your book, what, when you talk about communities uh, through courageous conversations, how can we have courageous conversations in communities that don't have the wherewithal to come to a church where we have some snacks for them to do these types of debates? Uh, what, what, what do you foresee as a way that we can actually have these types of dialogues among the majority of the voters, to put it bluntly? Thank you for bringing that up because uh, I can say that participation in Different Together, as well as the uh, the nationwide movement of bridge building, are people like me, mm -hmm. middle class white people. Mm -hmm. That demographic alone is not going to heal this country. This is uh, something that we have to be inclusive beyond race, beyond class, beyond religion beyond socioeconomic status. To, so how do we have those conversations when um, it's when, whenever the, the availability to come to meetings is not necessarily the same across all of these different demographics. And the way that I see it is and that whenever we have a different together meeting in an event, that's just a laboratory. It's mm -hmm. a place for us to practice. It's not necessarily where community healing happens. It, it can, 
but that I don't I don't want us to think that us showing up to this meeting occasionally is going is going to heal it. It's it's us to come together and practice and then go back out into our worlds, into our workplaces, into our families, walking down the sidewalk. How do we heal the division at that point? Are we dismissive of people? Are we or do we ignore um, need and hurt and pain in our communities? Do we um, or do we engage with it? Do we open our hearts? Do we want to listen? And that is where we have the power to be healers in our communities is in, in our everyday life. Are you saying then that uh, your, your groups pretty much are disciple makers with the expectation that they will go out into the communities and replicate themselves? I think that um, people that attend these types of meetings, yes, they are, they are better equipped to go out and to, and to live in this world with a softened heart. I am Loki, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. On June 9th, Marvel Studios' Loki arrives on Disney+. Plus. Loki is insubordinate, stubborn, unpredictable. What did you expect? Marvel Studios' Loki, Wednesday, June 9th on Disney+. Plus. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket. Let's, um, you brought up religion, race, etc. Let's go to Appalachia, okay, uh, where... I think uh, at this point in our history, I feel that these are the most scared people that have not had much good happen to them. And they, they see a whole lot of uh, the rest of America talking about inclusivity and, 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 and going and supporting the aggrieved. Um, how do you talk to these folks to let them know that nobody in my opinion, it's taking something from them there. You can't take something one has never had. How do you get into those communities? Because I, I, I think what's going on in America today, I think there are, a lot of, there are a lot of undertones. And tell me if you agree with this or not. I think there are a lot of undertones that are masked by other issues. And I think one of the big undertone in America, and you hear progressives talk a lot about it, race, religion, that sort of a thing, but I do think it plays a part. And if you take a look at the demographics of the, even the last election, uh, you sort of see that. How do we get to those who believe? Because I think it has to start somewhere. How do you get to those who believe that if you get something, it means my loss. I've lost something that I hold dear. Right. I think that we do see... Uh, many times, this is a zero-sum game. I think that it's a matter of reassessing what progress looks like. There is so much mistrust in the system, uh, especially with uh, the, the the people that you describe. Mm -hmm. um, 
so what does what does progress look like if if it is to um, help them see that you know we are not out to get them right. well that might be a uh, a, a difficult uh, task to uh, accomplish in the next couple of years can I can I interrupt you for a quick second because I want to give you some kudos first of all uh, important kudos I think you are uh, you are in a position to do that so much better than many others uh, and I, I, remember that I said that please continue and then I'm going to pick that up on on afterwards okay so I think that we've got to see this as a long-term process and a long-term solution. Mm -hmm. um, for right now, we are so divided and there's so much mistrust in our country that I think that we have to think about what is just enough, what's just enough to, for us to release our grip and for there to be more trust. For, so for right now, I think that might just be to listen and listen to things that we strongly, strongly disagree with and think are factually uh, way out there. Um, I think that that begins to lower the temperature and to build trust. And how long we have to do that, I don't know, but that I believe is the path forward. And once we begin to establish trust, then we can have a more factual debate. Okay, I, I, agree, I agree with that. I want to add a little bit more. And because as a white guy from Texas with a Texas history, I think more so than many, a lot of guys like that can actually go into these areas and do a hell of a lot of listening with some talking. And believe it or not, I think a lot of times that may be where we fail. And I think that is where we've allowed cancers to grow. The, the, uh, by those who have that opportunity to, I don't want to say set the record straight because that goes against the tenet of doing more listening than, than, than talking, but being able to show that uh, there, you know, maybe there are other ways to look at things. And that's why I say, I think guys like you who are, who, who are doing this kind of work in certain areas, not in San Francisco, but in Appalachia, you would make a hell of a lot of difference. Well, and I would also uh, clarify that, I, I, well, and I try to make clear in the book that um, I'm not asking black people, people of color, marginalized people to do this work. I believe it's me and people who are like me, other middle-class white guys to take this on, to be the, to be the ones that are listening. From, from talking with uh, people who are in marginalized communities, they tell me they, they've been doing this for their whole lives, but mm -hmm. the problem is that people aren't listening. Mm -hmm. People are being dismissive. So in order to listen to these, to, to the pain that's, that are, that's in our community, we have to really open our heart and, and, and be open to hear some, uh, some realities that me in my life, I've never had to deal with. And I have to then struggle with how do I, how do I live with that? How do I, um, how do I take the, the privilege that I have in my life and squeeze everything out of it in order to help heal all of these divisions, including racism and classism? 
You know what is interesting? And I, I wish to that everybody that said that had the understanding also that that you just said. Actually, I loved hearing when you said it's not a zero-sum gain, that, that the, growth of, the growth of all comes with this unification, if you will. The growth of all comes with all of us being able to be a part of what America's dream is. So let me ask you, because I, I, I want to be, I, I want to do this right. It, uh, for the people that, first of all, folks need to get books that do the kind of work that you're talking about, books that aren't there to divide. Tell, in a short synopsis, what is your book about? What do you intend to, what do you want to come out of your book from those who read the book and those who pass it along? So when I was starting uh, the Different Together Project at Glide Memorial Church, I was looking for a book that could give me a guide about what I was about to encounter. And what I have written is that book, a book for people that are concerned about division, want to do something, but don't necessarily know what to do. Uh, I believe that, that the book is a, is a guide that has um, relevant stories based on the front line of this, of this domestic peace building movement. And um, I try to reveal what it is like to do this and let, let the readers know that this is not easy work. That whenever I hear statements of, well, if we all uh, agree on the same, we, we all believe in the same thing. So if we just listen, everything will be okay. It's much, much more complicated than that. There are mental and spiritual roadblocks set up all along this path. And what I try to help uh, facilitate with the readers is that whenever we get to the point of wanting to give up, where a conversation gets tense, where we feel like we don't have the qualifications to do this work, that is exactly the time whenever we need to double down and keep going because it's difficult work, it's going to get complicated and it's gonna get hard. So I want to use my story and my experience to help people realize that I started this thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not uniquely qualified for it, but I learned over uh, the course of time. And I just try to share what I've learned to help bring more people into this movement. Excellent. Chris, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? I thought your questions were, were, were excellent, um, um, but nothing comes to mind. Well, look, let me tell you, um, first of all, I want to thank you for the excellent work that you're doing beyond your book. Uh, thank you for writing that book that is actually there sort of as, as an instruction set. I think it is important work that needs to be done, and we need a whole lot of folk out there doing it. So thank you for uh, being who you are, and thank you for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Hey, Paul Fleming. Man, you keep giving me kudos. Paul says, I am amazed today. After I voted, I went upstairs to renew my tag on my vehicles. A gentleman with the Trump hat on, uh, on struck up a conversation with me. It started out about football but ended in a good conversation about the election. He was okay with Biden being president. Reading It's Worth It gave a great assist. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Hey, let me salute everybody that's here. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. Pixie Dust, welcome aboard. Candy, welcome aboard. 
Uh, let's see what else is here. BH Toxic YT, welcome aboard. Uh, who am I missing here? Quite a few. Daniel Ledo, welcome aboard. Lee Grant, welcome aboard. Lee, I want to sit down and when when this pandemic is over, you and I are going to go and have a cup of coffee. I think you're in Houston, right? We'll have a cup of coffee. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see who else is here. Who else is here? Paul Fleming, I called you out. Uh, let's see. I'm Lee Grant, I think I got you. Yeah, I just said we'll have coffee, Lee Grant. Daniel Ledo, I called you out. Uh, para ver, para ver. Quien estoy olvidando? Norman Reynolds, my brother. How you doing, sir? And Anzu Wileyf. Welcome aboard. Okay, I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, scrolling down, or scrolling up, I should say. And if I miss you, please go ahead and throw your name back in so that I can call you. Deborah John, welcome aboard, Deborah. Yeah, I read the thing that you put there after all, Deborah. I went ahead and read it. Deb Denny, welcome aboard. Deb Denny, welcome aboard. Mark Smith from England, welcome aboard. Tank 28, welcome aboard. Uh, Mark Smith, welcome aboard. Coming in, coming in, coming in. Uh, it's, I'm going up. I'm almost to the top, I think, I hope. Deborah John, I think I called you out. Paul Fleming, I think I called you out. Norman, let's see who else is up here. I'm going to go back down. Jacoby G, welcome aboard. Raphael Coyle, welcome aboard. I'm going back down to the bottom, see if anybody else I need to salute. Okay, uh, Jacoby, uh, mucho gracias, CW, con cuidado. Good show again. Thank you, my brother. Matt, Matt Thames, thank you for being here. And uh, let's see, Paul, I think Paul says, what needs to be done is to go into the poor white community, see what their needs are, which are the same of most, and explain all the good that would come from looking at how their votes keep them in the same place. You know, that is a hard thing to do, and that is what, to be honest, I've been working a lot on that. Ashley Mosley, gotta come get your Creo. Yes, I do need to come and get my Creo done. You know, um, after all this stuff is over, I'm coming out. I, I know I should be able to come before that. But, hey, I've been so so busy with all this stuff. Ashley, thank you for being here. Uh, miss seeing you. Uh, let's see who else is here. Who else is here? Anyhow, folks, I hope you enjoy the program. I got to get out of here. Um, I have several more interviews that I that I have to, to get into the queue. But um, I want to just say this. To both who are conservative or right-wing listeners and otherwise. Um, when you see me address you, when we talk here, I honestly, genuinely have no human animosity towards you. I really don't. I can't. If I believe the things that I believe, which I do, if I believe that we are being manipulated by a few to keep us all apart, then at the same time, it is impossible for me to look at those, even those who tear me to threads when they talk to me. And somehow look at that and say, I hate you because you hate me. I can't do that. It is incompatible with what I believe. So let me just be clear. Whether you like me or not, whether you like this program or not, keep coming back over and over again. Because at some point in time, it is my real belief that we're going to have some sort of an intersectionality. Not that you're going to believe anything, that everything I believe or vice versa. But that at some point in time, you're going to say, you know what? I disagree with you, but I can live with that because I know deep inside of your heart 
it isn't that you don't like uh, you're you're an evil person or somewhat. Now I tell you what though, those people at the top, those people that are creating these issues, they are in fact evil, and those are the ones that I want to get at. Not the average Republican, the average Democrat, the average middle-class America, the average poor person. They're not the problem. We are the peons in the game. And that's what I believe in. Folks, please consider getting my book. Uh, I have, I'm putting the link back in there again. That is where you can get it at Amazon or you can get it at our store by going to politicsdoneright.com slash store. politicsdoneright.com slash store politicsunright.com slash store please consider becoming a patron you do that by going to politicsunright.com slash patron and I just placed that in there as well politicsunright.com slash patron please consider also supporting us via PayPal if you, if you so choose that is politicsunright.com slash PayPal. Oh wow, that that let me do that again because it don't seem like it went through. And the Patreon didn't seem like it went through either. Anyway, let me do the Patreon again. So again, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelts save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.